You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update with the stories, stats, headlines, and rumors people are talking about to get you caught up on all things regarding the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Rotating guests with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's happening, everybody? Welcome in. It's another edition of Benny and the Bets. Ben Heisler here. Connor Allen, he, the sports betting manager over at 444 Football. You can check him out over there as well as on BetSperts. He's also the host of the Move the Line NFL podcast. I'm pumped to have him on. Very excited because if you are watching this show now, um, we're a week out from the draft right here in Kansas City. And of course, uh, KCSN will be all over it. You've already heard all the announcements by now. Tuesday from the brand new KCI, Thursday from Pizza Bar, Friday and Saturday uh, over at No Other Pub, and then, of course, out in the nice distillery on Sunday for a little post-draft party. All the details available over on our Twitter page as well. Also, for everybody that's hanging out with us on the brand new KCSN app, uh, welcome. The app is sweet. It's frigging fantastic. Um, what I love about it is that uh, you've been able to go and check out all the brand new shows and subscribe directly in the app just by one click of a button, which makes life super easy. And for all of you guys that are hanging out with us on the Chiefs Network uh, over at KCSN, uh, if you enjoy the show, uh, Connor's going to make us uh, a hell of a lot smarter when it comes to the draft, which I'm very excited about. Um, if you like this type of betting content, uh, please go ahead within the app and subscribe or if you want to find us directly on YouTube or Wherever you get your podcast, you can do so as well. Uh, Connor, I heard you're going to be uh, coming in from uh, the Windy City, which is my hometown, uh, into Kansas City next week. Is there is there one thing on your list uh, that you absolutely have to check out? Are you going to go and just stuff your face with barbecue before the draft? Like you, you have like a Kansas City list of things that you want to accomplish. I don't have a list. I'm staying with some some locals, and they they recommended barbecue as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but we'll see. I'm kind of just going to go with the flow. See what Kansas City has in store for me, but uh, I appreciate the kind words at the top. Very excited to be on the show and you know talk about the best time of year here. NFL draft is literally my favorite thing to bet on all year long. So with that timing, when did you start your actual bets? Like, like do you remember? I we were joking before the show even started that pretty much every opportunity on the board you have found your edge. Um, do you remember the first NFL draft wager you made, and, and when did you actually place that bet? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly which it was, which bet I made, but I remember it was probably, you know, like I started looking at this year, I mean, in February or so, you know, kind of in, the, in that instance, like not too early. I think that it depends on kind of what you're hearing. There wasn't any prospects this year where you're like last year where Iki Aquanu was 100 to one, you know, a couple months before the draft, which is like crazy because yeah. he was like one of their top, you know, options where they had. There wasn't really that here because it was quarterback, so everyone kind of knew like it was probably going to be, uh, you know, one of those three with Will Levis or you know potentially C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. It was probably actually Anthony Richardson. I think I did sprinkle a little bit on Anthony Richardson at like fifty to one to be the first overall pick. That's not looking like it's going to happen, but it, you know, I thought some of those guys that could be an early ride. I I do want to ask you about 
sort of your overall process? I kind of want to go macro and then work our way into the micro over the course of of learning and preparing ourselves to to wager on the NFL draft. When it comes to initial odds, I I think what's so interesting about the entire draft process from the combine moving forward is you're you're trying to sort through the bullshit, right? Like everything is coach speak on one end and then you're trying to decipher whether or not it means anything. We're kind of seeing this right now with the drop of CJ Stroud. And I'm curious from like an outside perspective looking in, before even the Stroud stuff even happened, like when do you start to get a feel of what your process for making bets on the NFL draft looks like? Like where what are you looking for? What trends are you starting to observe as you're starting to dive into all of these prospects from a pure betting perspective, not necessarily like a scouting perspective. Yeah, and I think that's an important point there at the end because for me specifically, I focus on what is going to happen and not what I think is going to happen or what I would do. So, you know, some people make mock drafts about one player they scouted or, you know, who they prefer. For me and in the betting world, the best way to make money is to go off of what is actually going to happen because trying to get into the minds of GMs and understanding what they're most likely to do is the best way to understand like predicting the future essentially. So that's kind of my general focus in terms of, in terms of that and then paying attention to people who are plugged in, who have had a good track record of that. So guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Peter Schrager does a good job. Lance Zierlein nailed both the Texans picks with his final mock draft last year. And they were way off the wall. It was like Derek Stingley and, you know, Kenyon green. were like just so far, like gone from what the consensus was. And Daniel Jeremiah is super plugged into the jets. Uh, you know, like there are so many different guys that are have their own niche and have been really good at predicting kind of the picks because they talk to people in the organization. They talk to people around that. And so kind of understanding who plays what role and like how truthful they're able to be is really important because early on in the process with the number one overall pick, we got word that they the Panthers like C.J. Stroud. Now for the last week, it's basically been, you know, a media dumping ground on C.J. Stroud with his S2 score coming in low and, you know, him ditching the Manning Academy in high school and you know, apparently not being coachable for some sources. You know, I don't know how much I believe that's actually true of that, but like, it's just one of those things where we saw him be the minus 400 favorite to be the number one overall pick a month ago. And now people aren't even sure if he's going to be one of the top five. Yeah. And it, I think I even saw on your Twitter account uh, at Connor Allen NFL, the, the quote tweet of the scene from draft day, which is almost kind of become synonymous with trying to go through the bullshit sorter. And basically saying, well, nobody showed up at his birthday party. You got a pass on this guy. And now everybody is starting to wonder. I, I kind of look in Stroud in, in sort of the same aspect as how we saw Fields from a few years ago, where there really wasn't anything worthwhile that, I think, purely from a scouting perspective, really scared people off. And yet you had the meteoric rise of Trey Lance, which now that he's on the trade block, that's going to be a fascinating conversation. But Obviously, if you're doing that draft over, uh, it's it's the combination of, of either Lawrence or Fields right at the top, and there's no Zach Wilson, there's no Trey Lance to even speak of. Are you looking at Stroud from a different lens? Do you look at his fall right now as something that feels a bit more smokescreen as opposed to actual serious concerns from teams around the league? Yeah, I, I don't really know, you know, if his agent listens to this, no disrespect, but I have no idea what his agent is doing because it's been just like a stream of horrible you know, PR for the last week. And there's been no refuting any of this. And the reason that, I mean, I feel good about most of being true because it's like, 
oh, his S2 score was horrible. If his agent is paying attention at all, he would just release his S2 score if it was actually reasonable, which obviously it's not. So like, you know, he would just release it and be like, oh, actually he did really well. And so it's one of those things where I think that he could fall because, you know, we've not only heard Lance Zierland say that the Texans aren't really interested in CJ Stroud, but then other national sources have come out and said that as well. And from there, the draft really changes. You know, like it's, if Bryce Young didn't go one, the draft would be very simple. It would be super easy to project the top five. The Arizona would be able to trade out of number three very easily because there would be a market for, you know, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis right. at three. The Colts are locked into a quarterback at four. But because Bryce Young is going one, the Texans are losing their mind. The Cardinals might not be able to trade out at three. The Colts, I mean, which quarterback do they like? So there's so many more questions at the top, and it's leading to a much more volatile top five than we've seen in the past few years. So right now, C.J. Stroud is still projected heavily as a top five pick, both him and Bryce Young, if you're looking at the odds purely over a DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, minus 20,000 for both of those guys to go in the top five. If you're looking on the other side, like, but like, does that scare you in a sense from looking at somebody at like Stroud, where even though the trade market doesn't appear to be showing up, if the fall continues to happen, we've seen this with quarterbacks before, and also the consideration that maybe, and, and even Schefter had this the other day, uh, the concept that Indianapolis at four might have their pick of the litter not named Bryce Young at that spot if Houston, if Arizona decide to go in a different direction. Are you looking to maybe fade that number a little bit, even if it's just a little bit because of this fall? Yeah, I mean, it's, I am certainly not laying the juice on him to be a top five pick at this point. Like, you know, I felt really good about that at one point, And now it's just really tough to ignore the noise that has been coming out of national reporters who generally do a really good job. Now, that being said, I think that someone could very well trade up at three if they really like C.J. Stroud. All it takes is one team. You know, I mean, there's plenty of quarterback needy teams in the top 10. The Lions, you know, the Raiders, the Falcons, if someone wanted to make a big trade up, the Commanders, I don't think are out of play here. And Tennessee has been rumored as well to be very much in play for the number three overall pick. And the Cardinals, I mean, they would love to trade down. They need to trade down. Their roster is a complete disaster. So there are so many opportunities there where I think Stroud could easily go top five. But that being said, at this point, if nothing changes, I see the Texans probably going with Will Levis or one of Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. And I see the Cardinals probably doing the same defensively if they can't trade out. That being said, I think it's very, very likely they can trade out with someone. I think they'll probably take a discount. Uh, and the way I formulate my opinions on these, that's something I probably should have included in the original part. Usually there's some information buzzing, you know, outside of the national media that you'll hear through the grapevine or people are plugged in certain situations. And that kind of helps clarify the top few picks. Uh, even beyond just the national speculation, because, you know, Adam Schefter can't just be like, oh, like, this is the pick at number one, two, and three. Right. Otherwise, you know, obviously no one's going to watch the draft. You know, that's this is not how it works. But, you know, some of the smaller reporters are a little bit more uh, loose-lipped and willing to talk, you know, on the side other than, uh, you know, guys like Schefter and things. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I'm also going back to a point that you made about um, predicting what's going to happen as opposed to what you think will happen. And you can do that a lot of the times with the corresponding odds movement. Case in point, last year, you, you talked about Kwandu uh, going from 100 to 1 all the way to, I think, it's as high as maybe 4 or 5 to 1 uh, at one point. But the the real movement came with Walker. Like Walker, for a long time, probably up until maybe about a week or so before the draft, was still in that plus range. It wasn't completely, you know, uh, an upset pick moving on anywhere in like the 4 or 500 range, but he was, he, it was a very fast movement to the number one spot, and and now you saw that with Young. So I, I think trying to consider whether or not there's going to be any more movement, I don't see it. You could still get Young at minus 1,200 at some books. 
to me, I just don't think there's value there. But I, I just don't see any more upward movement uh, or possible changes regarding the quarterback spot. So you mentioned number two, uh, Levis is potentially in play. If you're looking at the, some of the best odds for him at that spot, uh, you can find him. I think at Caesars at plus 270 and, and 250 at most other books as well. Um, we mentioned Stroud, although that's probably unlikely. Will Anderson still the favorite at that spot, although he's still available at plus 200. Tyree Wilson is an interesting one at plus 400. That's another guy with, that we've seen the movement really come up for him. Uh, if not Houston, do you look at him in almost an automatic top three at this point? Yeah, I mean, again, if things stay the way they're at right now, I really like a bet on Tyree Wilson to be top five because uh, that, that you can find that around even money. I think DraftKings actually just released that uh, tonight right before we got on. When this is airing, it should still be on the board. I think if we're looking at the, the potential outs here, I've heard that the Texans prefer Tyree Wilson to uh, Will Anderson. Lance Zierlein has tweeted about that explicitly. He even said, I have Will Anderson ranked over Tyree Wilson, but I'm putting him to the Texans because he said, do the math. That was his exact tweet. Uh, and so, you know, like, again, not explicitly saying it, but basically saying it, and I've heard it beyond that as well. I've heard the Cardinals are not as high as on Will Anderson. So, like, either of those teams stick. Uh, we're probably going to see Tyree there. And the Seahawks are a team, too, at number five, who I think are very interesting in terms of potentially picking a defender. Could it be Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson? I think they're a Tyree team as well, based on things I'm hearing. So, again, three outs in the top five to be top five pick. Uh, you're getting that around even money, I believe, right now in DraftKings. I think that's a great look. So let's talk about Anderson for a second. If if there's some potential concern that that he could slip, where is value on the board for him? Yeah, right now his over-under is three and a half. I've taken some action on the over, but a lot of that had to do with early on because I thought that one and two was locked into quarterback, and I thought that there was a little bit, I thought Arizona was going to trade, you know, almost certainly. So again, in that world that we were living in, uh, I thought it was, you know, should have been like minus 500, minus 600, that he wasn't going to be the third overall pick. At this point now with Tennessee or with the Texans potentially taking a defender, it makes it a little bit tougher because, you know, if say Tyree goes to do the Cardinals, I, you know, again, I don't think they're going to pick Will Anderson, but maybe it's just that they have Tyree Wilson ahead of Will Anderson right at three. So for me, uh, I'm slightly fading him. I think that there's a chance, there's a good chance that he is not uh, going the top three picks, but I'm not really putting any money on it as it currently stands. All right. So if we're going through the list of quarterbacks, um, you know, there's there's anywhere from reports to that it could be the top four picks end up being quarterbacks. There's also some consideration that it gets spread out. We mentioned the report that Indianapolis might have the number two quarterback selection at number four. If you're going through your list of, of how you see maybe the top five quarterbacks going off of the board, give me the order and, and maybe give me the, the sort of perspective of where you see them landing. Yeah, that's a pretty tough question there because after Bryce Young, I think it's like a whirlwind of guys between there's this next tier of, you know, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson that I think you could probably peg to a variety of spots, whether it's, you know, Houston, who I think probably in the end ends up taking a quarterback at number two or trades for a guy like Trey Lance because I just, I don't, first, I don't understand how you can go into the season trotting out Davis Mills again as your starting quarterback. I mean, they're rotating him with Jeff Driscoll last year. You know, it was just, it was pitiful by the end. I think ownership ends up overruling Cesario or Cesario on that. So I think we see a quarterback at Houston, probably at Indy. I would say almost certainly Chris Ballard's going to get fired if they don't have a quarterback. Again, another situation. They can't trot out Gardner Minshew, expect to win games, and Chris Ballard loses his job. At least with a rookie, maybe you could tell some hope. Uh, other than that, I think the Raiders, the Lions, the Falcons are all in play, but kind of like outside looking in. The Titans are a team, though, to keep an eye on as well. 
uh, for one of those four quarterbacks. But then an outside shot here, and a guy I think you're hinting at, Hendon Hooker, yes. potentially here. Um, you know, he's been rumored all over the board. You know, potentially to the Vikings in the late 20s, potentially to a team, to other teams trading into the late late first to get that fifth year option. Was on track to win the Heisman last year prior to tearing his ACL. Now there are some questions about his age, turning 25. You know, the system that he played in doesn't hasn't necessarily translated well to the NFL. There's undeniable talent, athleticism, and, you know, excitement around that guy where if you have a starting quarterback, maybe let him sit for a year, kind of learn the system, and I think the upside's pretty high. So I think there could be a couple of teams in the back half of that first round uh, pretty interested in that. All right, if you're just hopping on with us, Connor Allen of 4 for 4 is on with us. Uh, Connor's the sports betting manager over at 4 for 4 You can also check out his work over at BetSpirits as well as the Move the Line NFL podcast. We're going to take a super short break, be back with plenty more, including some of our possibilities for more bets on the board as we are one week away from the NFL draft. Stay with us. It's Benny and the Bets. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, Connor, I want to talk to you about Jalen Carter because that was a name that forced pretty much the entire college football season we knew it was going to be him and Anderson as arguably the you know neck and neck for the, the top defensive player off the board. Uh, and then obviously the legal situation with Carter happens. Uh, his pro day, again, we're talking about guys advising some of these players. Uh, his pro day couldn't have been worse. Clearly not ready. Blatantly out of shape. You're starting to see some reports have him slowly creeping back up into that five to seven, eight range. Um, you know, one of the last mock drafts that I was looking at was the one from uh, from Brendan Donahue, who has uh, Carter going to the Eagles at number 10, which is intriguing uh, as a Bears fan on my end. You know, I'm thinking if he's able to fall, uh, you talk about Ryan Poles trying to get that that major three technique when they tried to sign Larry Ogunjobi last year. Uh, didn't end up working out, obviously, with the failed physical, but uh, a perfect fit if he's playing to his capability in the Matt Eberflus defense. If Carter falls, how far do you see him falling? Do you think he goes past Philadelphia uh, at that number 10 spot? Yeah, I actually don't think he'll fall past Chicago, to be entirely honest, because just based on things that, yeah, I just think based on things that I've heard, I mean, the Bears would be delighted to have a guy like Jalen Carter. I believe that they really, really liked both him and Tyree Wilson. If they had kept the number one overall pick and not been able to trade it, it would have been one of those guys. Um, And so... From this standpoint, now you're talking about Brian Poles, who had the number one overall pick, traded out DJ for multiple first round picks, and then is still going to get a guy who's top on his board, or like you know one of the top few guys. I mean, that's like a victory lap in Chicago. Like he would be ecstatic. Chicagoland area would be ecstatic. It would be a win-win all around. Now, obviously, you got to deal with, uh, uh, you know, legally, he seems to be very much in the clear uh, from a character issue standpoint. It seems like there's still a couple of issues in terms of his work ethic, but. Again, you know, that's something that they've met with him multiple times. And uh, I think they have a pretty clear answer whether they think they can fix that or not. So, you know, I think that he won't fall past nine. But that being said, right now is over under six and a half. I think the over is a good look because really we're only looking at two outs. And that's with Seattle at, at five and Detroit at six. Detroit, I just he is almost the antithesis of Dan Campbell in terms of work ethic, you know, show up every day, grind like it's the exact opposite of just like what Dan Campbell wants out of a player, even if he's super talented and from an on-field perspective fits well. And then Seattle talked about last year before the draft process, like, hey, we really want to focus on high character guys. We want to get guys on our team. 
that are going to come in and work really hard every day. And they absolutely crushed their draft last year. So for them to go and pick Jalen Carter at five seems a little bit suspect, uh, you know, relative to kind of what just happened. And we go against everything they just talked about last year. So for me, those are the only two outs. I don't see it as a good fit in either spot, uh, kind of from an on-field perspective or from a, you know, locker room perspective. So I think the over six and a half is a good look. Do you think the Lions tipped their hand with the trade of Akuda a couple weeks ago uh, that they're going corner, whether it's Witherspoon, whether it's Gonzalez? Um, you know, th- those are clearly the top two guys on the board, but uh, do you think they tipped their hand at all? Yeah, I think a little bit, to be honest, because they brought in some other guys at free agency, but they were like shorter deals. And you look at a guy like Devin Witherspoon played 75% man in uh, a U of I, and then the Lions are like one of the heaviest man teams in the league right now. So he just it's a good fit. You know, he plays really hard. You know, he's got that he's got that dog in him, you know, people will say. So I think that he's a great fit there in Detroit. Um, that being said, it could be Christian Gonzalez. They could prefer him. But Christian Gonzalez played primary, like a little bit more zone than Witherspoon. So it's not that he would be a bad fit, but I think that Witherspoon probably has the leg up on him there at six. All right. So let's go through a, a couple different other positional battles. I want to start with offensive line. There's everybody, uh, you know, considering Nolan, or not Nolan Smith, I'm sorry, Paris Johnson. Uh, is likely one of the top offensive linemen off the board. There's also Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern, uh, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. If you're sort of power rankings, which of those three offensive linemen are first to go off the board uh, and maybe find some value from a betting perspective, who do you like there? Yeah, so it's tough because lately, as of today, I've been hearing that the Raiders are pretty interested in offensive linemen, uh, whether that's Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky. You know, from my understanding is that they're interested in both. So that kind of throws a wrench into that. If that's wrong, though, I think a guy like Darnell Wright is very much in play, especially with the Bears at nine. So say Carter goes at eight to the Falcons or, you know, maybe the Raiders like him at seven and the whole he's off our board thing is a smokescreen. Uh, you know, maybe he lands there. I think Darnell Wright is is their guy. He fits a lot of what they want. would be able to slide into right tackle. You know, they, the, Chicago's actually building a pretty reasonable offensive line. So if it's if Carter's gone, I think they could pick Darnell Wright. You're looking at like plus 700 on the board at some shops, plus 550 at others. I think that's still more than fine. So I think that's kind of a, a worthwhile like long shot or like middle tier shot uh, for the offensive lineman. What about a tight end? There's Dalton Kincaid, there's Michael Mayer. Uh, do you see one of them having more of a particular edge over the other? Uh, this is a coin flip for me. I mean, the Mayer's a better blocker. Dalton Kincaid's a much better pass catcher in terms of like a more of a move tight end. It's going to be kind of like the flavor of the team and what they want, I think. Uh, so for me, it's a coin flip. Until I get more like solid info of like, oh, this team absolutely loves this player. Uh, for me, it's kind of a no bet. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit from a local perspective about the Chiefs. Uh, as far as where they're likely to go, uh, the odds over DraftKings are projecting somebody on either the defensive line or uh, an edge rusher, plus 150, uh, some more help from Mahomes on the offensive line at plus 200, as well as another wide receiver. There's been obviously some reports uh, of Mahomes reaching out personally uh, to a couple different wide receivers to be able to work them out as well. Uh, after that, it's wide open. Tight end, plus 1,800. Running back, which uh, I'd be very, very surprised. Uh, in plus, all of a sudden, they, they find their way into the opportunity to draft Bijan Robinson, which again, like it's, it's too many riches for, for Kansas city. And it, it'd be almost be hard to yell at them. Uh, if that's the consideration that they go, because how stacked with head offense already be. Uh, and then some of the other positions you go way, way further, but it, if you had to handicap for the chiefs specifically, uh, what position they're likely to focus on as their first pick, uh, where do you see them going? Yeah. So in my latest mock draft, that's going to drop uh, today, actually, 
uh, mock 3.0. I'm going with Anton Harrison, an offensive tackle. Uh, he's kind of like routinely mocked there. A ton of teams in the end of the first round really like him. But a guy that I've been seeing really commonly mocked is Will McDonald as well, you know, an edge out of Iowa State. So I think that one of those guys, we saw also reports today of, I believe it was Quentin Johnston pl playing with uh, Patrick Mahomes, a little bit kind of working in with him. Um, and I think Zay Flowers as well. So like there's all these different players, I think, in the back end there where honestly, I think the Chiefs are in a great spot because there's a pretty significant teardrop here after the first like 12, 13 guys. There's a chunk of offensive linemen. There's a couple tight ends. But outside of that, there's just like a chunk of like 20-ish guys that could go in that back half of the first round where it's pretty much the same tier, at least in most evaluators' perspectives. So I think the Chiefs are in a really good spot to kind of grab one of their positional needs with like whether it's Anton Harrison, Will McDonald, maybe, you know, Mozzie Smith, Quentin Johnson. I mean, the Zay Flowers is rumored as well, but he's not going to last at 31. So, you know, that's unfortunate. All right, before I let you go, it's always a fun time, especially a week out, to start to continue to keep track of all the players that are either shooting way up the board all following the teams that are likely to reach for a player that probably shouldn't be as high as most of us expect, um, and, and then vice versa. You know, other continued names that may drop further and further. Is there a name on, on each side of the coin that uh, you expect to shoot up between now and the actual start of the draft, as well as maybe that player that uh, could slowly start to see themselves falling further and further? Yeah, guy who's been getting a lot of buzz lately, Deontay Banks, a cornerback. Uh, you know, he's been kind of like a fringe round one guy, but uh, I'm seeing like, you know, a lot of buzz from like the mid to late teens. Uh, and I think that that's probably where he settles out. So there'll be like a to be around one pick market that'll be dropping pretty shortly. Uh, I like him to be around one pick probably up to like minus 200, minus 250. Honestly, I know people don't like laying juice, but, you know, juice pays the bills sometimes. Uh, and other than that, a guy who's falling, a guy who I think could fall. I, I don't like it, but I just kind of what I'm hearing Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's a great player, but I think he's kind of spooking some NFL teams just because he played like 90% of his snaps in the slot and he didn't play much last year and teams are a little bit wary of that I think he's a stud but again going back to exactly what we talked about at the beginning my opinion doesn't really matter on this kind of stuff because I'm not the one making the pick so based on what I'm hearing I think that Jack Smith the Jigga could be like a you know mid-20s guy instead of like a mid-teens guy yeah and, and the odds are certainly supporting that his position right now over on DraftKings over under 12 and a half heavily juiced to the over at minus 260. So if you're thinking all of a sudden a team is going to try to grab him between, you know, picks, pick, I, I don't even know at this point. I Maybe there's a chance that, that Philadelphia gets intrigued and tries to just add some more riches there. That could possibly be in play, uh, but that's plus 185 uh, on the board as well. All right, you've already given us a, a handful of plays, and I know that uh, we can certainly find more of them uh, over at 4 for 4 Football and on the Move Line NFL podcast. Uh, any more that uh, are still available uh, as far as odds that, uh, or even if they've they've moved within reason uh, from when you locked it in before that uh, you've just been chopping at the bits to be able to share on the show tonight? Yeah, one that I really like that kind of relates back to one of the first ones we talked about, but Tyree Wilson, first defensive player drafted. I believe you're still able to get that over plus 200, plus 300. To me, as we talk about the top of the board, it's basically a coin flip at this point, if not leaning towards Tyree, and you're getting plus, at least plus 200 on this bet. So for me, it's a fantastic value at the top of the board. Uh, you know, I think you can go two to the Texans, three to the Cardinals, five to the Seahawks, and still be the first defender taken potentially. Love it. Follow him on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. He's the sports betting manager over for four for four. You can also check out his work over at Bet Spurts and the Move the Line NFL podcast. 
Excited to have you in our city, man, next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully Kansas City puts on a, a hell of a show uh, as, as more and more people around the country are, are starting to find out. But appreciate the knowledge. Appreciate you hopping on with us, and, and we'll have to do this again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate you having me on, and I'm excited to potentially meet up in Kansas City. Sounds good. Also, a shout-out to Jordan Foote, our executive producer on today's show. Also, thanks to everybody behind the scenes over at KCSN. Make sure you guys are hanging out with us over the course of NFL Draft Week. It's going to be an absolute blast. I will be on a flight to Vegas. Uh, I know, leaving Kansas City in the middle of all the the draft stuff, but uh, taking a fun little golf trip with my dad. May have some surprises here on Benny and the Bets uh, ahead of next week. Maybe a little bit of Vegas insights. Uh, You'll have to wait and see for that. So, For Connor, for Jordan, I'm Ben. May all of your best bets hit. We'll talk to you again soon on the next edition of Benny and the Bet. So long for now. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.